0: Hey everybody! Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I'm really excited about today's guest. We got Carrie Kobe White on the podcast. We've had a fantastic pre-chat talking about her upcoming book, The Law Firm Growth Machine. But um, fantastic background, super holistic approach to growing law firms, which you know we are all about here. Really excited to hop into this conversation, Carrie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. we
1: delighted to be here, Jan. Thank you.
0: Right, so I first heard of you on Ken Hardison's podcast. But for anyone who hasn't heard that or hasn't, you know, been introduced here elsewhere, let's start with a little bit of background. Like, how'd you get to, uh, you know, working in this oh. crazy locker <laughs> world?
1: That's actually even funnier. So I think I'm on Carrie 4.0 at this point, but Carrie 1.0 was actually a middle school teacher for children in a gifted program. And so when people ask me how I made that transition from teaching to working with attorneys, you know, middle schoolers and attorneys, especially the middle schoolers in a (laughs) gifted program, not all that different. They're just a bunch of brats who think they know everything.
0: (laughs) <laughs> the present, no present company accepted oh, exactly. no, no. or uh, present listeners accepted. Obviously. You know,
1: it's very unique. i part of what I love about attorneys is, how much conviction they have in what they know. They're very well studied. And so I do think that a lot of times I find that attorneys, they think they have all the tools in their own belt. And I don't pretend to practice law. I don't know how to practice law. And I just want attorneys to recognize that our world has become so incredibly specialized. You know, even just the conversation we're having about the darn sound engineer, I can't do something as simple as turn on my microphone anymore without having to contact a sound engineer. And it's okay. That's what his specialty is. My specialty is in the growth realm, and my lawyers that I work with, their specialty is in the law. And there's great synergy when we work together. Okay,
0: that's awesome. And we were talking about this a little bit on the pre-chat, but um, you know, really interesting background as far as getting into some of the, the things that and I got. I'll, I'll, I'll say that we've had a very interesting situation on the marketing side that we've we've created a lot of problems in the intake realm, which I know is something that you guys have focused on a lot. Um, leading we up have. to this point, you tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a chronic people pleaser. And so I, you know, I just kind of transitioned again from the classroom into actually nonprofit and where I met a bunch of lawyers. And when the nonprofit gig, you know, the grant wasn't renewed, I was looking for work and I had a bunch of lawyers from the board of that nonprofit who were happy to keep me busy. And so I really learned marketing to support these law firms. But I never stopped at the marketing because I I think that that's a real flaw in the entire industry is that marketing people focus on marketing and that's it. The marketing team, whether it's internal or external, their job is to generate leads, but they don't often follow through with what comes next, and that's intake. And so when I started doing the marketing, I became obsessed with intake because if we're generating leads, there are so many things you can do to be more effective in intake to actually convert those leads. And I think what marketing teams, internal, external, all across the board need to recognize is that we're not paying for clicks or impression share. We're paying for clients. And we very often in the marketing space need to move into intake because so much of the value, so much of the return on investment lives in intake. Yeah, I
0: love that. And as far as like the things that you see common in law firms that you guys work with, even when you guys were getting started more today, like Mm. what would you say are the common blind spots or
1: challenges? And that's a really interesting start. What's interesting where we are now, and yes, we have a book coming out. uh, James and I have spent the last five years working with rather large law firms. And so I want every small law firm or even solo practitioner listening to the podcast to recognize that those, you know, big building, shiny, fancy law firms, they don't have it figured out either. And I think that that's kind of what shocked me the most. A lot of these firms have gotten very big before they've gotten really strong if that makes sense. There's, there's just a lot to do. And I, and I think that's actually result of years of really good margins. And that has really changed. I think the space is far more challenging than it's ever been. The, the competition is astronomical. We have in the last, since 1970, I think we have 300% more lawyers than we did then. So it's, it's not just you and your network. There are a million lawyers out there. And so competition is fierce. Like I said, it's become highly specialized. You used to, you know, slap your logo on the back of the church bulletin and call it a day. Well, now you've got a heck of a lot of technical marketing aspects that as anyone who's ever looked under the hood of SEO knows, there's, you know, we can't expect every lawyer to know how to do all these things and do them well. And so, we've really seen the space transition to one that had high margins to one that has much tighter margins. And so some of these firms got big in ways that, you know, they were throwing money at it and they were getting enough back and it was fine. But now with much tighter margins, you can't afford to not do well. And it's very easy as anyone who has dabbled in in digital marketing in particular. It's very easy to make marketing an expense as opposed to an investment and that should never be the case marketing should be an investment you should always get back more than you put in and in the environment that we're in with very high competition very much tighter margins you can't just throw money out there and expect it all to go well you have to make a very concerted effort and so i think for those law firms the big firms that we've worked with over the last 5 years they kind of have transitioned to where they realize okay we were you know throwing money at things and you know oh well we missed a call or we didn't get back to that lead in a short amount of time, can't do that anymore. The margins are too tight. So you have to be very, very efficient in the way that you operate the business. And and that's what we've built. We've moved from these very high-end lucrative engagements with big firms and taken all that knowledge and made it, packaged it, made it very accessible for much smaller firms.
0: Okay, that's awesome. And I gotta say, it's it's really interesting to get the perspective of having worked with these big firms. I feel like when people have the luxury of resources, sometimes it doesn't really create like super efficient practices. Like, Oof. you know, I think the, the thing that comes to mind with me way back in the day, we used to have a lot of engagements that would come for paper click stuff on the back end of SEO contracts. And these guys were just used to hitting people with the, you know, in, in a, a good way, just like man with a hammer, just throw more leads at the problem. It's like, you know, if you're getting 50 calls a week from SEO, God bless you. But mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're a small firm, you might need to convert 10% of that and then you're happy with it. But when SEO costs two times as much or you're switching into paper click where you're paying $200 a call for, you know, again, that was in the good days yeah, <laughs> for, uh, for personal injury stuff. You know, you just it's not good to develop Develop the habits, like the same efficiency that can really squeeze the juice out of a marketing campaign. Oh my gosh. Be-
1: you just took yeah. my line.
0: Oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's,
1: that, that's what good intake is. Good intake is making the juice worth the squeeze. That's yeah. it. You, you just, it, it's, and I say this all the time. If you spend $10,000 on marketing and you sign five cases, you spent $10,000 on marketing. But if you spend $10,000 on marketing and you sign eight cases, you still spent $10,000 on marketing. So you've got to make the juice worth the squeeze.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And then, you know, I actually wanted to dig into this a little bit because there's a conversation you've been having internally. This might be a bit of a selfish question. (laughs) Um, I really like, and I think there's a lot of metrics that people think about uh, in like two broad strokes when it comes to intake, like, you know, super classic one, hey, what's your close rate? Are we talking about people that make it into your office? Are we talking? about people who sell mm-hmm. out a form on your website, like all these different stages in between. And I know you guys have a really strong metric focus. So we what do you think are the most important metrics for law firms to pay attention to within the intake process?
1: Great question. Great question. Jan. I recently came across something on, on LinkedIn, and I can't tell you who said it, and I'm sure he's not the first one to say it anyway, but I'm going to say it. Uh, KPIs, key performance indicators. If you shift your thinking about KPIs from like just this metric that's out there to keep people informed, this is about keeping people engaged in the process of what we're trying to achieve here. And so these numbers are so important and I can tell you across the board, big, small, many attorneys, one attorney, nobody knows their numbers. I mean, it's a really big problem and again, as we face the challenges of the industry and those shrinking margins, knowing the numbers is really important. So in terms of what the numbers mean, I think that you have to look at it in two very distinct ways. You do want to look at things on the campaign level, because obviously campaign metrics are important. You don't want to be you know, spending on, on one campaign that isn't performing at all. But you can't look at that in a vacuum. Instead, you need to look at both campaign level and overall investment and ROI. And so if I'm looking at, my marketing ecosystem. And I I do think there has to be an ecosystem. The only way to test these things is to pull levers. You know, let's increase the billboard camp, the billboard investment. And let's, you know, drive, let's drop the amount we're willing to spend on LSAs. You're always like seeing what the results of these levers are. And you can't test it without looking at the numbers. These things all interplay though. If you're only looking at that last touch attribution, you're missing the big picture. So I think the most important metric across the board is how much did I spend all together and how much did we make and calculate your ROI. There are only two ways to affect your ROI. You either need to drive down costs or increase conversions. That's it, there's only two ways. So we don't really control costs. We do control conversions, which is why, again, intake is so incredibly important. In terms of looking at, like I said, firms not knowing their numbers, in terms of looking at those individual campaign metrics, it depends on who's looking at it. And I, and I think there's a an absolutely necessary interplay between marketing service and, and intake. And so, like I said, there are all these marketing firms that consider their work done at the click, and then all these firms who think that they think they have, you know, a 75% close rate. They don't even know they're missing calls. you know They, they don't know that leads died in some attorney's inbox, you know. So so the first thing, and and look, you know, the, the years that I spent in intake, I can tell you intake doesn't sell. I can put myself out there as an intake consultant and nobody will hire me. They hire for marketing, but I will never spend a dime marketing until everything is tightened up from the first second someone places a call until that retainer is So building a solid foundation before you market means looking for all the leaks in that funnel. Like I said, very few folks know their numbers, so I think that every firm should make that a priority is get your head around the numbers, become a data-driven firm. And Jan, you and I had this conversation in our little pre-interview. The law industry, the legal industry is in a really fascinating place where we tend to move a little slower than other industries. And I think that that's part of the awesome character of attorneys. They're very deliberate, very thorough. And so they are taking inventory on things over years and years and years before they pull the trigger. COVID forced a lot of firms to evaluate their systems. And so they've built these systems and, and now they're kind of leaning back a little bit. And during this period, they should be looking at other industries and what they are doing. And the most successful companies in the world are data-driven. They are using their data, they are analyzing their data, and they are making better decisions because of their data. So that's what law firms need to grapple with right now is, what are my numbers? And there's, you know, there's a huge data journey. Everybody's on one. You may not even know what data really means, and that's where you are in the journey. Some folks are centralizing, visualizing, analyzing their data, and that's where we want to get them.
0: Yeah like it's almost like a like admitting that there's a problem is the first <laughs> step a lot of people are not willing to do that like my favorite line is like oh. uh, when he ask about intake well, I mean hey I close 100% of the deals I want
1: <laughs> it's just and like everybody says that, you no, know? and that's why like uh, Ken Hardison over at Pilma, he always tells the story where he was first working with an attorney who he made listen to his calls and the, the attorney actually vomited. He was so horrified by the state of things. You have to take inventory to steal a line from one of my favorites, Chris Mullins, who is a champion in intake as well. She says you must inspect what you expect. And so if you aren't assessing all these things, you know, actually, yeah, this is a really important one for anybody who's focusing on intake. Everybody asks me, what should my intake team be doing when they're not doing an intake? Because I'm a huge fan of dedicated intake. Don't make your receptionist do intake. Don't make your paralegals do intake. Focus on intake. And everyone's like, well, you know, if there are only three phone calls a day, what are they supposed to be doing? Well, a good intake is 32 minutes, which means at most you're really getting six intakes a day because you have a lot of work to do around each of those intakes. And in that downtime, they are testing your phone numbers, testing your forum fills, testing where leads are going. When I call this number, does someone answer it with the right name? Like these are all the things that are potential leaks in your funnel. And if you are going to win in this environment, then you absolutely need to shore up the foundation, get rid of the leaks and make sure that every dime invested has every opportunity to become a positive investment.
0: That is a fantastic tip. And that's actually a question I've gotten before too. And you know, even things I've thought about for ourselves to juice or to take that with the bank yeah. yeah that's that's a fantastic uh to carry but Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit because, you know, as far as the stuff we've talked about, a couple of um, ones, and I think it's it's stuff that where I, I see it super unique in the approach that you've had is, is being able to broaden the scope of these things too. So, and we were talking a little bit about the whole, you know, kind of flywheel model that you have going on with the book. So, so far we've talked yes. about marketing and leads, but how do we make this a, a real cycle and what other big parts of this machine do people have to get in place to, to really get this something that will feed itself and help a firm get bigger, bigger, bigger over time?
1: Awesome. Awesome. Jan, I'm, when, when you and I started talking you and, and I was telling you about the strategy in the book, and you said, I just love the cyclical nature of that. That is the magic of a flywheel. And so for anyone who hasn't heard this analogy, this is Jim Collins' business strategy. He, he popularized the concept of the flywheel. The flywheel is, is a mechanical element that takes a lot of energy to set, to set in motion. But once it gets going, it stores that energy and ultimately it becomes self-propelled. And when you think about what you want your law firm to do, you're, you want to put in the energy and then know that that energy compounds and that over time, good things are happening as a result of what of the time and energy that you invested in the first place. Here's the catch with that. It's really hard to do the things that compound over time, those tiny little things that If you did them for 20 years would add up. It's really hard to be consistent, again, in this environment where it is very challenging and and we are time strapped and like life is hard enough as it is doing all those micro things that compound over time and, and set the flywheel in motion are hard and we don't have time for it. A machine is by definition something that makes work easier. And so we have to, as an industry, find ways to make work easier because it's too hard to do all the things that actually result in the flywheel effect. And so we've developed the concept of the law firm growth machine as, first and foremost, breaking down all those silos between marketing, intake and service, making the investments of time and energy produce investments in business, as opposed to transactions where you're just on this treadmill of you know feeding the funnel. Instead, business begets more business. And, and it's very simple. It's leads become clients, clients become advocates. Advocates generate more leads. And I want everyone to really just visualize that cycle leads become clients clients become advocates advocates help generate more leads feel that momentum and think about how can we do that and how can we do it in a way that makes it easier The system that we built that, you know, after, like I said, five years of working with large and high-end firms, paying us handsomely to work with them, we've taken as much of that knowledge and packaged it into a plug-and-play system so that even the small firms can compete. And like I said, that's a passion project for me. Been living in and among attorneys for more than a decade. They're a pretty sad bunch often. It's, you know, you've invested a lot of time. You've invested a lot of money in this degree and in this specialty. And it, it should make for a success successful career. And you have to have some of these skills that aren't inherent to a lawyer. And we have put something together to to help with that. So it makes work easier by eliminating a lot of the manual work, um, ensuring that those little things get done because those little things really do make a big big difference over time.
0: Yeah. One of the things I like a lot about this is that I've seen so many examples of firms that were like missing one step in the chain. So, I mean, to to kind of go to two like extreme examples, like on the one hand, you got people that are like, yeah, we're referrals. So it's like basically Mm. they've got one part of that fly wheel where it's advocacy to clients, but you can see those people having runs where, you know, either your referrals start drying up or you're, you know, you just completely burn out like someone, part of a social network or part of a city or market or whatever. Absolutely. And then the, the flip side, you got the, you know, you got the churn and burn firms who are like all super good at like mm-hmm. getting new business, but they're not necessarily, I, think, I know everyone tries I, to have the best service, but maybe not getting, you know, the referrals, getting the, the reviews, that kind of stuff.
1: Right. And, and those transactional firms, the reviews, views end up biting them because they're not investing in client service. And look, the baseline when it comes to client service is a great experience. Like nobody's paying you to do a mediocre job. They didn't hire you for that. And so you actually really do need to invest in the client experience if you're going to somehow differentiate yourself. That's just, you know, it's a harsh reality. And and in fact, in the book, I, you know, I call out five harsh realities. Like we have to accept the state of affairs. Like this is where we are. There is competition. There are shrinking margins. There are high marketing costs. You don't know your numbers. You're struggling to do this alone. Like these are the realities. Making yourself um, so to hold into a single stream of leads is really dangerous. And I I caution every firm we work with, and this kind of goes back on to the concept of what KPIs am I looking at? You should be evaluating the success of campaigns. But like I said, it's not that last touch attribution. The fact is that all of these are playing on top of each other. So that PPC call may be because when he heard my radio commercial and then Googled personal injury attorney. He recognized the name. That's the ecosystem. And any one of these lead sources can dry up overnight. If anybody's had great success with local service ads, that changes. That is very hot and cold. PPC prices went through the roof. Facebook was once profoundly effective. Everything in the activation realm, those like quick call to action that you feel like you can really measure success, they change. Those are tactics. And you need to have a long-term growth strategy. And I hate to tell you, in every service-based industry, it comes down to service. So if you're going to be able to invest time in client service, if you're going to be good service providers, you've got to get a lot of that other stuff out of the way. The stuff that adds up, like you know, getting reviews and following up on leads and ongoing outreach to existing clients. If you're going to do a great job, you've got to get some of that work off your plate. And, and and it does need to happen. You have to find some way to do it. So either you do it manually at great expense and, and a great amount of time, or you find ways to use tools to your advantage. And there are risks with that too. So you have to evaluate all these things and find the way that's going to be best for your firm.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that guess is an awesome segue too, because I was going to say like, you know, I might almost hypothesize that the reason that like people will kind of have those partial solutions to the problem is maybe one, it's a bandwidth thing and maybe two, it's just what people's natural tendencies are as people. But like, how, uh, I mean, like, what kind of you know, specifically, like, what are you guys helping out with as far as the smaller firms that might not have tremendous mm-hmm. bandwidth? So like, what kind of when we talk about, like, doing the machine, like, what kind of stuff are you helping out people? How are you guys doing? Yeah,
1: so I, I think it has to, like, it has to start somewhere, right? And so when I talk to a small firm, and I want to help them today, the best thing they can do is solicit feedback. So go to your family's friends network, people who have worked with you who know your attention to detail, like it doesn't have to be solely clients, but people who have ex- experience with you. Start by getting their reviews. That's going to automatically enhance your reputation online. Once you get those reviews, you need to you need to share them. You need to push them into into Facebook, into Instagram, into Google. Uh, You need to respond to all of those reviews, which will double your activity online. And again, none of this is legal work. So this is time consuming stuff if you're doing it manually, but you need to get the reviews, you need to reply to the reviews, you need to share the reviews, and you need to look at how this, you know, how that is working. If you do all those things, a couple of things happen. Number one, you're gonna learn a lot about what your firm does well and 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 where they can do better. So when I say solicit feedback, I don't mean a simple review request. I think you do need to kind of start talking to people. But in terms of generating more business, that simple step, and and I can tell you one of my clients, one of the small firms that I worked with, large market, very large market, single guy, solo practitioner in bankruptcy. And overnight, we were able to generate reviews, get his name up. He started populating in the three pack in a major market. And we were able to, to use that the, the opportunities generated to not just serve those clients, but to make raving fans of them. And so what I would say to everyone who needs to do something to sleep better at night, to ensure that there's more business to come, that you, you're you not worried about business drying up, is start with soliciting feedback. Start there. That's a good start. From there, you want to respond to your reviews, repost your reviews, and put some, some budget into marketing so that you can amplify those advocates.
0: Yeah, you know what I really like about that is the fact that it doesn't cost anything to get started. Mm-hmm. And I know we're in like kind of an interesting place here in 2023. I remember like you know it was it was a lot more challenging. Like I can't when I got started, it was funny because like SEO was kind of like it was SEO's moment, and it was crazy because people would be signing like 12 month contracts after like hanging their shingle. And it was just like crazy that people would do that. Yeah, and I guess like it's yeah, it's it's good that that option is more expensive now. Not to say I, I got nothing against SEO. I still think it's fantastic, mm-hmm. but the fact that we have have options that people can do with elbow grease or you know getting some tools to help is awesome and also you know co-sign on this just a little background on us just for for a little context we're doing a lot of stuff on Facebook ads it's so much easier to get I wouldn't say the initial contact but the conversion rates Mm -hmm. are almost always higher with firms that just have a more reputation or at least more of a visual reputation because even if you get them by hook or by crook you know they're googling that firm afterwards before they're signing the contract right so consult
1: so, yeah, and that's the, you know, I was talking about the the hot and cold nature of activation campaigns, you know, things come and go. The goal, though, with long-term brand building is in the title. It's yeah. long-term. You have to stay in front of people. And it's so much better to stay in front of people with messages that come from from other people saying how great you are. And then engage your community. Like, you really have to be part of your community. And so when I work with a client and I, on a very low budget level, one of the first things I help them do is. You know, develop your brand voice. Let's let's decide who you're going to be. And so play with your name. Like what is you know, nobody wants to hear every day on Facebook about how to uh you know how to file a bankruptcy. But they'll they will follow along if what you're constantly sharing is, you know, the dad joke or cocktail hour fodder or a fun fact about the city or upcoming events this weekend. Be a member of your community and then just stay in it. These these are slow burns. And trust me, I I know that it's very very hard to feel like those small time investments add up. But I can tell you from personal experience back in the when we got shut down for COVID and the gyms closed, I thought, you know, for the last 20 years that going to the gym was doing nothing for me. And then the gyms closed and I was like, son of a gun, it was doing something. And so you don't want to test that theory with the success of your business. Don't turn things off and assume it's not doing anything. You're staying in the conversation in the periphery and you're building brand recognition. And that's the slow burn of a Awareness. There are tools that make this so easy. Like I said, we built into the growth machine this review, request, reply, repost program where you don't have to do anything. Like literally plug into the system. We request the reviews. We respond to them in a way that actually supports SEO. We repost them. Those five-star reviews get beautifully formatted into an on-brand social media post and go out into the internet on Google, Instagram, and Facebook. And so all of a sudden, without having to do anything, you have some of that slow burn going on. Again, it's it's about that omnipresence. Now, when they go and Google for a personal injury attorney near me and your ad pops up, they're like, oh, yeah, I know that one. That's the guy who's always telling me great things going on this weekend.
0: No, that's awesome. I also really like that strategy of kind of cross-promoting the reviews as well, too, because it's like that's social proof, you know, obviously for the algorithm, it's, it's going to depend on, but just like, yeah, the end of the oh, day. Oh, it's, it's huge. Yeah, and such a such a the psychological angle. People, you know, like to follow what Whoa. other people are doing. It's fantastic. Absolutely.
1: Um- yeah, and so, again, like, you know, I, I always go back to even like 10 years ago. Well, they say we need to do this, that and the other thing. Well, they won. <laughs> yeah. We do need to do this, that and the other thing. That's, you know, this is the public sphere, the, the public square. This is where we all live. You got to be there. And and it's not that you have to be like the the funniest guy out there or the most engaged social media team, but you have to be present. Because if they wander, if, you know, if a potential client Googles you, Facebook, LinkedIn, Those are the first things that are going to come up. And so if they click on your Facebook and they see you haven't posted something since 2018, it's going to be frowned upon. And hey, guys, the young people rule the world. It is shocking to me, the older I get, how I can't believe how young everybody around me is. And they are calling the shots. These people do not want to engage on the phone uh, nearly as much as their predecessors. They want to connect over social media. They want to message you. We have to meet them where they are. And I think that these are significant obstacles for you know those of us who may be a little more mature. We didn't, we're not used to this and we have to transition. You know, business is not the back of the bus anymore. It's not the billboard on the bus. It is online and we have to be there.
0: So speaking of new things, this is another thing I, I, I wanted to talk to you about. It might be a little bit of a juke from from our current line of thing, but um, you, know, you guys have been doing a lot of thinking about AI. So let's talk about that a little bit. And I, I you know I've just kind of heard the the chat element. I'm not sure if that's one of the things you guys are exploring, but how do you think firms can start incorporating that in uh, to their advantage, or at least not to their dis- ignoring mm-hmm. it to their disadvantage? Right. Right.
1: And and I think you make a couple of important important points there. You know, as we said earlier, you know the the, the industry has historically. Been been rather slow moving but I think we are at a pinnacle moment of change the digital natives the people who were born into the world with technology are now coming of partner age and so we are seeing digital natives in decision making roles in law firms across this country and so I do think there's a huge shift in adopting technology and things like AI AI is according to Goldman Sachs expected to knock out 30% of knowledge workers and attorneys are on the short list of endangered species Obviously, there are lots of different types of attorneys and and who's affected'll we'll, you know we'll we'll see that shake out in the wash. But we do have to pay attention to it. And the fact that historically, we are slow to move on things should be a lesson now. in twenty eighteen, the was it Forbes? I think it was Forbes The or it was the McKinsey report that was reported in Forbes in 2018. They directly called out the legal industry and said the legal industry is not prepared for digital users. And that was one year before COVID made everything digital. So we have this history. The bright side is that even with that historical reference, the industry at large has performed better than other industries in hard times. And if I'm honest, I think hard times are coming. You know, we're seeing a huge shift in how money is made and who wins in this economy. And so I do think, you know, it could get worse before it gets better just generally in terms of the economy. And so I do think attorneys prove time and time again that we can do hard things. But one of the greatest lines, um, I quoted in the book and I can't remember. Oh, it was said by Altman Wheel from one of their reports, the law firms in transition. They said a crisis is never a good time to make a big decision. And yet we always tend to wait for a crisis. And so we should be acting now on the matter of AI, staying educated and informed on the matters and seeing where we can plug it in. So in a very simple way, what we've done with AI and again, the, you know, we had basically built out this machine and then the, the AI, you know, chat GPT became available in November. And we were like, holy cow, you know, what are we going to do here? And so we are using AI to collect the reviews and respond to the reviews, include the SEO language so that all of that is happening without any input from the attorney. And it's absolutely amazing. It's powerful. Same thing um, when it comes to the data. AI is actually able to interpret the data. And so if you become a true data driven firm. We're creating these tables and charts that, you know, if, if you're not someone who really studies these kind of things, you may not see a whole lot of meaning, but the AI can interpret it and provide a narrative to accompany those images. And so those are the two ways that we're focused on AI, on AI right now. And I think that that's going to be hugely powerful for, for law firms who want to make better decisions is now instead of having to do you know, all this analysis yourself, you can literally turn to AI and have it tell you. You know what? Seasonally, you always perform better this time of year. Your most uh, successful campaigns are this, that, and the other thing. And so you should shift these resources to this space during these months. Now, think about that. Wouldn't you love to know? It's like this magic crystal ball that you can look into, and the AI is the one providing that information. Now, aside from that, just because I'm a bit of a dork altogether, I have chat, GPT, OpenAI on my desktop all day every day i feel like i have the smartest guy in the room sitting across the desk for me and so i am constantly asking questions and i do think that there are two things that attorneys need to be aware of for that number 1 great for your research use it abuse it have a ball with it number 2 take heed i google nothing compared to what i used to and i have like i have to think that this is going to have a significant impact on online uh, on uh, PPC and things like that. If we're not going to Google, if we're going to ChatGPT instead, and so far it's ad-free, what does that mean for all we've invested in ads? It could drive prices way down, I don't know yet, but, but those are things that I think attorneys need to pay attention to.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And like I'll say this: last time I the topic came up on the show, I was kind of in the um like hipster contrarian mode. I was like, yeah, whatever, it's not like a big deal. But I mean, <laughs> I started messing with. I was having uh, ChatGPT so. help me write some prompts for um, some research I was doing on a new marketing campaign. I'm like, damn, this is actually really cool. But I mean, to your point, I think those are all really, really good to think about too. And I'm like, look, if it ends up being ChatGPT ads replacing, you know, PPC, yeah, maybe it, that's something to stay on top of. Right?
1: It is something, and that's the thing is, you know, when we look, like I said, if if attorneys recognize 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 that the industry has been slow moving and start looking at other industries to see what they're doing. They would have been all over LSAs super early. Like, who doesn't look back and wish they had, you know, gotten a case management system sooner or gotten on that SEO train earlier? Like, just start paying attention to what other industries are doing, because, again, it's the wonderful nature of an attorney to be pretty risk averse and uh, thorough. And, you know, these are great attributes when it comes to practicing law not necessarily when it comes to being a front runner in business. And I think that a lot of that is kind of also contrary to the data argument. And I'm a big, big, big fan of becoming a data-driven law firm. Lawyers are trained to think like a lawyer. It's a completely different mindset. That's what they're, they're you know, they're not going to college, excuse me, to law school learning how to run an intake system. You know, that, that's just not what they're trained for. They are trained to think like a lawyer. And data is the exact opposite. You know, lawyers are not black and white data is. And so I do think that some of these are real challenges to the the typical avatar that we think of with an attorney. And so I do think that because that Because it's not innate to the attorney persona, Um, those who choose to embrace it have a huge opportunity to stand out.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. Any challenge is an opportunity at the end of the day. The harder it is for you, the harder it is for your competition. So, you
1: know, actually, there's a a quote that I dropped in my team chat last night. Give me one second, because I, I think this one is powerful. Part of what we've added into the growth machine, like I said, is these little things that may not seem super sexy, but just tend to get left behind when things get busy and things get busy. But here's a quote, don't know where it came from. To be successful at anything, you don't have to be different. You simply have to be what most people are not. And that is consistent. And I think that is Hugely important in the legal industry. The things that we know move the needle are not big things, but they need to be done consistently. And that's really hard when, when we're spinning lots of plates.
0: Yeah. I totally agree with that. hundred percent. At the end of the day, yeah, it might not be sexy, but it gets the job done.
1: Well, it's again no no different than than dieting and exercise. You know, if, if you think about, you know, I'm not going all in on a twelve hundred calorie a day diet, but all I'm gonna do is, you know, skip that glass of wine every night. Well, over a year, you skipped 365 glasses of wine. That's a heck of a lot of calories. So be intentional, be consistent, and make these small little moves. Jim Collins with the flywheel, you know, he was very clear. There is no magical moment. This is the the compounding effect, and compounding is is. I mean, I it truly, I, I when my kids were little, I would say I don't let any babysitter come out of my house without having learned about compound interest. <laughs> because if I'm gonna give you money, I want you I, for, for watching my kids. I want you to understand the power that money is. And so it's the same thing. With with these tiny little things that we do in our vis- uh, in our business they are investments don't make them transactional make them investments and if you invest in this one client they may drive seven others to your door same thing with reviews that one positive review can now go to facebook instagram google it has a reply it has an seo like you gotta lever up put yeah. the power behind it yeah
0: Kira, this has been awesome. I think we're we're full circle. I think mean, this is that's a good place to uh to I just want to be respectful of uh, time. But like, yeah, I think this is this is awesome. So as, as far as you know, we're talking about the book. I think the framework's fantastic. Um, when are people gonna be able to get their hands on this and where will they find it?
1: Absolutely. So if I can get this mic to work consistently, there will be an audio book on, <laughs> on Amazon. Um, the book is called The Law Firm Growth Machine, and you'll find it on our website, uh, which is Carrie James, K-E-R-R-I James, J-A-M-E-S dot C-O. You can get the book there. And we want to help firms. Like I said, this has become a bit of a passion project. We've done the big high-end fancy law firm t- high-rise uh, experiments and, and working with these little littler firms who who want to achieve great things has, is is really, Powerful. So uh, everything in the book will tell you how to build your own growth machine. We we don't hold anything back. It would be a matter of slowing down to speed up. If you want to go fast, then you can plug into our machine. It's very affordable and um, and very effective. You know we we've got we've got the data. It's a, <laughs> we can prove it. It's been it's been a fantastic experiment over the last five years, and we're excited to kind of take it to these uh, these smaller firms. Great.
0: that's awesome. And we'll get the the links to everything in the show notes for for everyone, people. But um yeah, Kira, this has been a fantastic conversation conversation. Super glad to have you on. And um, for everybody right. else, I'll see you guys next Tuesday at a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.